Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Welcome back, Chris. So thank you for joining us once again. If you missed him, the Canadian productivity expert and international best-selling author of Hyperfocus and the Productivity Project joined us on the last episode to talk about how narrow attention spans, distraction and hyperstimulation is brought on by technology. So Buzzy, happy to have you back, Chris. Today, I want to take a deep dive into how we can become the most productive, focused and happy version of ourselves. Now, you wrote Hyperfocus. And I want you just to talk about what inspired you to write it. Like, why is that important to you to be hyper-focused and why should it be important to us? Hyper-focus is an intense name, but it's, it's an intense name for something that is quite simple, which is just bringing our full selves and devoting our full attention to whatever happens to be in front of us. And I, I take a very, ex- if folks listen to the previous episode, I, I take a very experimental approach to this idea of becoming more productive. Uh, You know, I don't have this advice that I give from this high pedestal where you should do everything that I say or else, or else, Dan, or else. Uh, I, I very much look at what I want to become better at in my own life, in my own work, and look at the science surrounding that idea to hopefully make improvements to the direction that I want to move into. And hyperfocus was very much a continuation of that journey. Uh, I noticed, frankly, how distracted I was. And this is coming from a fella that wrote a book called The Productivity Project, first of all, that we were talking about last episode. And I figured, okay, I'm investing in a lot of the advice that I give in terms of trying to tame distractions ahead of time, resisting distractions in the moment because of how costly they can prove to be. But I'm still unable to not check the news between things. I'm still tending to social media, my speeds, my feeds, my things between the tasks. Distraction started to flood the moments of my day like water, and I didn't really know what to do about that problem because the solutions that I had encountered up to that point weren't working. And so that was a call to to action for me to take a step back and say, wait a second, if I'm struggling with this phenomenon of distraction and not only falling victim to distraction throughout the day, but having this mind that's wired in such a way that I crave distraction in the first place, maybe other people who don't study productivity for a living are facing this same challenge. And so that was a call to action to dig deep into the research, to travel around the world, to meet with attention management researchers, to try to get to the bottom of that puzzle of why we're distracted and what we can do about it, uncovering a lot of weird and counterintuitive ideas along the way that actually proved to be quite helpful. In the last episode, you mentioned that productivity means accomplishing what we intend to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd love to discuss 
if there's a way that you think we can measure the quality of our attention that goes into it. Yeah, I think that definition is so critical when it comes to thinking about productivity in the first place. Because what comes to the mind of something, somebody when they hear this word productivity, it's something that's so cold and corporate and all about efficiency and effectiveness and whatever those terms actually mean. But I really just see it as accomplishing what we set out to do. And the quality of our attention is a huge determinant of whether or not we're able to accomplish what we set out to do in the first place. I look at a few variables that, that I examine in, in the book Hyperfocus for determining the quality of our overall attention. The first is how long we can hold our focus for. So it's the attention span measurement that we were chatting about in the previous episode, how long we're able to, as the researchers say, perceptually couple with with, uh, something that we're trying to actively engage with. The second attribute of the quality of our attention, which is how long our mind wanders off for before we catch it. You might be familiar, as I am, that our mind likes to wander for quite some time before we not only rein it back in, but we actually realize that it has wandered in the first place. And uh, I mentioned that statistic that our mind wanders for about 47% of the day. It would wander a lot less often if we could catch it more quickly. And so that that is why that's another determinant of the quality of our attention uh, uh, alongside our attention span. And the third that, that I like to use is how much of our time we spend intentionally. We work on autopilot mode and we live on autopilot mode quite often. And it's, it's a, almost a natural thing to do when we sit down in front of the computer. The technology that we sit and perceptually couple with, I'm just saying that phrase to sound smart at this point. Walking. Oh, thank God. Because um, this Canadian oh, yeah. man, he needs to be seen as a productivity expert. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but technology kind of guides our mind. It's kind of like when you're watching a movie. If you're sitting down to watch Back to the Future as I was a, a short time ago, you won't find that you need to actively focus on what's in front of you. The director, Steven Spielberg, I believe in this case, guides your attention along the way and shows you elements that keeps you engaged. And technology is much the same way where we rarely step back to think about what we want to accomplish in the first place. And that is step zero with productivity is intentionality. It's deliberateness that lies at the core of everything we do. So our attention span, how long we can hold our focus for, how long our mind wanders for before we catch it, so a measure of metacognition, meta-awareness, and how much of our day we spend intentionally, which tends to go down the more time we spend on technology. We've talked a lot on this podcast. We've had Stephen Kotler on here, you know, talking about flow states. I'd love to talk about similarities or overlap between flow states and hyperfocus. Is it kind of the same thing or? Yeah, I think hyperfocus is the quality of our attention. It's really zeroing in on how we can manage our attention to achieve the end goal, which is the flow state. And actually, the editor that acquired Hyperfocus at, at Penguin Books in, in New York, he also edited Flow, the book by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi that, of course, popularized this this terminology. So I think they work very hand in hand. There's a lot of books that that are similar in this way that have differences that make the books totally different. 
but just you know looking at almost a similar ambition that people have, but a different process through which to get there. Deep Work is another one by a pal of mine named Cal Newport, uh, where he talks about this in a work context, this ability to hunker down on something that we really want to accomplish. But Hyperfocus is a book on attention management. It's about the series of actions we need to take to not only achieve a state of flow or deep work, uh, but also the the conditions that need to be true for that to happen. Yeah, it's, that was, that was a, actually a very rewarding part of the process is chatting with people like Mihai and Cal and, and putting together the, the book. Yeah, that's awesome. Almost worth doing a book just for those two opportunities, right? Nice fellas. Yeah. And researchers like, uh, you know, Gloria Mark, Mary Sherwinsky, Shamsi Iqbal, all at Microsoft Research in, in Redmond. It'd be remiss of me not to mention them as the people who are really pushing at the, the forefront of this research, too. Curiously, um, you know, a lot of the book covers focus and attention management, and the people who seem to study multitasking and attention management are women, uh, maybe because they're better multitaskers, I don't know. But the, the people who study daydreaming, which I think is a crucial part of attention management, is the other... 47% of the time that our mind is wandering, are fellas. Uh, you know, Jonathan Smallwood, Jonathan Schooler, uh, researchers of that kind. I, I found that to be a fascinating dichotomy. So I'd like to take a step back and ask you a little bit about scatter focus. What is it and what are the benefits? So... If you think back to when your best, most brilliant idea has struck you, you probably weren't focused on anything at all. <laughs> In this way, focusing on stuff all day long is actually, I've found one of the worst things that we can do for not only our attention, but also for our productivity. The scatter focus is what I call deliberate mind wandering. Uh, it's just a fancy frame for that idea because saying deliberate mind wandering every time is quite quite the mouthful. But essentially, it leads us to three main things. It leads us to more plans because we think about the future. We actually think about our goals 14 times as often when our mind is wandering versus when we're focused on something. And so if intentionality is what lies at the core of productivity. Mind-wandering is a fantastic way to get there, especially deliberate mind-wandering, scatter-focus. But it also gives us energy because we are able to recoup mental energy when we don't have to regulate our attention in one way or another. And one of the best modes of scatter focus is what I call habitual scatter focus. So the research makes a distinction between just kind of laying down on the floor and mind wandering without a bit of perceptual coupling versus habitual scatter focus, where we do a hobby that we love. We play an instrument, we read a book, we knit, we play a board game, whatever it happens to be, where our attention moves like a heartbeat in and out of this activity between being focused and being scatter focused. And that habitual mode provides us with an ungodly number of not only plans for the future, because we think about our goals so much, our mind wanders to think about the future 48% of the time when it wanders. It leads us to more energy because we're doing something that we enjoy, that's habitual, that we don't need to force ourselves to focus on. And it leads us to ideas, right? That mythical 
you know, beast that comes up in the shower a lot of the time because we bounce from the future, think about what we want to accomplish, to think about the present a little bit. And we think about the past less than we might think around 12 percent of the time. And the rest of the time, those numbers don't add up to 100 because the rest of the time our mind is dull, it's blank, it's thinking about something that isn't related to time. And so when we bounce between those three destinations, we think about ideas we've encountered in the past, maybe through this podcast, to problems that we're facing in the present, to conversations we're going to have in the future. We get the ideas, we get the energy, we get the plans, all just from letting our mind wander. It's a beautiful, beautiful mode. People put down a wandering mind. And indeed, there is research, one of the the foremost articles that make that argument is uh, called Wandering Mind, Unhappy Mind, because when our mind wanders without volition, it's a feeling of lost control and disengagement with what's in front of us. But when we do so deliberately, especially habitually, we come up with these ideas and plans and energy we would never have been able to accumulate otherwise. It's a remarkable, remarkable thing. Love it. Okay, so that's the wandering mind. I think to close up, what are the top tips on how to improve our ability to focus? Let your mind wander more often because you'll have more energy to focus with in the first place. Mind your physical environment and your digital environment. Notice the distractions that you fall victim to. And then when you notice that they make you less happy because they lead you to lose a bit of control over your attention, make a plan to solve them for the next time around. So you become happier and more engaged. Set intentions at the beginning of the day for what you want to accomplish and then track how you do at the end of the day. Don't beat yourself up because you probably probably won't accomplish them all, especially at the beginning. Set an hourly awareness chime where your phone dings every hour on purpose. (laughs) So you can check up on what's the quality of your attention? Are you distracted? Have you noticed that you've been distracted? How long have you been able to focus for at that point? And are you spending your time intentionally? There are countless solutions, but those are a little amuse-bouche, a little buffet of ideas. Love it. Chris, it's been a massive pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and coming on the Brain Care Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Height started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week.